Welcome to this presentation of First Baptist Church Loeb. We're glad to have you joining us today. Our mission at FBC Loeb is to bring glory to God by being disciple makers. For that purpose, we present the following resource that it may be a blessing. All right, well, you can grab a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, in case you use one of our pew Bibles, you'll find that on page 876. And as you're finding your place, I want to begin by asking you a question this morning. And that question is, do you really love the Lord, or are you just interested in what he can do for you? Do you really love the Lord, or are you just interested in what he can do for you? I want that question to stay in the back of your mind as we work our way through a, a short but intriguing story of Jesus performing yet another miracle for a group of people who are powerless to help themselves. And so we're in Luke chapter 17 this morning, and we're going to pick up beginning in verse 11. Luke writes, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so last week, Jesus gave some additional instructions about what it looks like for us to follow him faithfully as disciples. And now as we pick up again here in verse 11, Luke reminds us for a third time that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. You know, with everything that, that is going on in the story, everything that Jesus is saying and doing, it might be easy for us to forget that Jesus' ultimate destiny still awaits him in Jerusalem, where he is going to be rejected by the Jewish leadership and put to death on a cross before he rises again on the third day. And so even as we're stopping to examine each part of the story, Luke never wants us to lose sight of the fact of, of where this is going. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he will die and rise again in order to save his people from their sins. And as he travels, we see that he goes in between the regions of Samaria and Galilee. And as he comes to a, a particular village, there are ten men with leprosy, waiting for him. Now, we've talked before about the, the devastating impact of leprosy. Right? In, in ancient times, leprosy was an umbrella term that, that included any number of different contagious skin conditions. And so uh, these men were living in a, in a constant state of pain or at least discomfort. But beyond that, uh, leprosy was usually understood to be a curse from God. And in fact, at several places, the Bible describes it as a curse from God. Uh, beyond that, the condition caused a person to be ritually unclean, according to the Old Testament law, which meant that these men would all live outside of the city, uh, alone, isolated from, from everyone that they knew. According to the law, they couldn't come within 200 feet of anyone. So they couldn't work. They'd be dependent on, on whatever scraps of food they could find, or perhaps the generosity of people who might set out small amounts of food for them. And if all that wasn't bad enough, lepers had the humiliating responsibility, if anyone did approach them unknowingly, to call out, unclean, 
unclean so that the person would be aware of the fact that they had leprosy and to stay away from them. And so to have leprosy in the ancient world was to be defined by your condition and to live a miserable life in in practically every possible way. Now, as Luke sets the scene, we see all of this at play. It's not surprising that these lepers are all together because, again, the only sense of community they could have would be with each other. And at the end of verse 12, we see that the men don't approach Jesus. They stand at a distance, according to the law, and they call out together to try to get his attention. And they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And that title, Master, is used of someone who is in authority. It it describes someone who is in control of a situation. And so presumably, based on what these, these men have heard about Jesus and what he's done elsewhere, they see him as someone who can do something about their condition. And so they call out for him to have compassion in light of their situation and intervene. And we'll see how Jesus responds to them as we pick up in verse 14. It says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And so as we've gone through this story over the last 11 months, Jesus has healed people in a variety of different ways. Sometimes he he lays his hand on the sick person. Uh, He has simply commanded disease to leave in some cases. He has dealt with the demonic influence behind sickness. And a couple of times he has even healed apparently without doing anything at all. As we pick up here in verse 14, when Jesus sees these leprous men, he gives them instructions in response to their request for healing. He tells them to go show themselves to the priests. Now, according to Leviticus chapter 14, for a person who had leprosy to be restored to the community, a priest had to inspect them and then lead them through a week-long process of purification and, and then officially declare them to be clean. And so Jesus tells these men to go initiate that process. Go present yourselves to the priests for inspection. The catch is that you would only go to the priests to to present yourself for inspection once your skin had cleared up. Otherwise, uh, this would uh, go see the priests and they're going to see a a bunch of men covered with leprosy and and they're just going to kick them back out again. And so, uh, on the surface, going to show themselves to the priests in their condition would seem to be a waste of time. And so there's an implicit element of trust here, that that in order to do this, they have to, to truly think that Jesus is somehow going to work this out. And so the men go, and they, they set out to find some priests. And then in the second half of verse 14, we see that sure enough, as the men go on their way, they are cleansed of their leprosy. Luke doesn't tell us how far along the path they were or even how they realized it. Maybe they felt different all of a sudden or perhaps they noticed it in each other. But one way or another, as they have obeyed Jesus' instruction, their leprosy has left them and their bodies have been restored. And we'll see what happens next as we pick up uh, one last time beginning in verse 15. It says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, 
giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And so picking up again in verse 15, we see that when one of the men realizes that he has been healed according to Jesus' word, he chooses to turn around and go back, praising God openly for his new lease on life. And it's interesting that Luke describes him as using a loud voice. And so certainly we would assume that in the desperation of his previous condition, this guy wasn't holding anything back in his attempts to get Jesus' attention. But, but Luke indicates here that this man's expression of joy and gratitude is even louder than it was before. And so people who, who see this guy walking and don't understand what's happened, they probably think he's crazy. But think about it from his perspective. This man looks and feels better for, for, for the first time and who knows how long. Right, but, but it's not just the fact that he doesn't have the disease anymore. It's what that means for him. He has his life back. Right, he's going to be able to rejoin his family and his friends, again, for the first time in who knows how long. He's going to be able to, to work and make a living now. He'll be able to engage in all aspects of public life. Right, this man is going to have the time of his life doing a bunch of things that everybody else simply takes for granted. And so in verse 16, the man eventually gets back to Jesus, and he's not keeping his distance anymore. He runs right up to him and falls down at his feet in adoration, thanking him for what he's done. And then at the very end of the verse, Luke drops a detail that turns the, the whole story upside down when he reveals that this man was a Samaritan, a sworn enemy of the Jews. And so you'll remember from the parable of, of the Good Samaritan back in chapter 10 that the Samaritans were originally Jews who chose to divide the kingdom and then allowed themselves to become uh, ethnically and spiritually compromised. And so Jews hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated Jews in a Hatfield and McCoys kind of way that spanned for centuries. And that's very interesting because it reveals here that leprosy was a great equalizer. Right? Leprosy was a great equalizer. People who would normally be sworn enemies appear to have found common ground with each other amongst these lepers as they shared in a condition that cut each one of them off from their own people. Right? People who would normally hate each other chose to do life together rather than live alone. Now, when Jesus sees that only the Samaritan comes back, he responds by asking, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And the word foreigner is a strong word. Uh, it identifies this man as someone who does not belong. In fact, the only other relevant place you would find this in the ancient world was on the signs at the temple, which warned foreigners not to enter on penalty of certain death. And so Jesus doesn't sugarcoat things. He, he expresses a sense of disappointment that this guy, someone who is outside of God's people, 
was the only one who made the effort to come back and offer thanks to God for such a tremendous blessing. Nevertheless, in verse 19, Jesus says to the Samaritan, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And that that phrase, made you well, is loaded with meaning. The word itself means to heal in in a physical, medical sense, but it's also the word that we translate as save in a spiritual salvation sense. And so the context usually determines which meaning is at play in a particular situation. But here, both meanings seem to be in play. The the man's faith has been the occasion of his physical healing, and it's also been the occasion of his spiritual salvation. And that's why the ESV opts for for trying to communicate both aspects in the phrase of, of made you well. I think the King James tradition says made whole. Right? Uh, a priest could declare that the man was clean, but Jesus declares that he has been made well. This man's faith has led to physical and spiritual health. And so here we're given yet another instance in Luke of someone outside of God's people responding to Jesus better than those who are among God's people. Even though this man is a Samaritan, he recognizes that God has sent salvation through a Jewish Jesus, and he gives his life to him in praise and thanksgiving. This is giving us just another preview of how Samaritans and even Gentiles will ultimately be welcomed into the community of God's people by faith in Jesus as the gospel spreads in the book of Acts and beyond. And so we see that if if leprosy was a great equalizer, Jesus is an even greater equalizer. If if leprosy could bring people together from completely opposite backgrounds, Jesus is going to be a greater equalizer as he brings together people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue who will come into his kingdom by turning from their sin and by placing their trust in him for salvation. And so in our passage this morning, Jesus heals ten men with leprosy, but only one of them, and the least, the least expected one at that, returns to give thanks and finds salvation as well. I want to ask the question that we asked at the beginning again. Do you really love the Lord, or are you just interested in what he can do for you? Do you really love the Lord, or are you just interested in what he can do for you? If you're not sure, then a good test would be to think about whether or not your life is characterized by gratitude. Thanksgiving. Throughout the New Testament, one of the qualities of a true believer that is emphasized most consistently is thankfulness. Christians have a profound sense of God's goodness to them, despite their unworthiness. And so, do do we recognize our need for the Lord in such a way that his work in our lives inspires heartfelt gratitude and love? Or do we feel entitled to his blessings and his salvation? When the Lord provides for us or blesses us in some way, do we simply take it for granted? Or are we moved to give thanks for his faithfulness? out of a genuine sense of gratitude? The answer to those questions reveals more than we might realize. 
Why did the other nine men not come back to thank Jesus? Well, I think it's because they got what they wanted. Right? They wanted to be healed. And to be clear, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right? And pretty much anyone who's got a medical condition wants to be healed. The, the issue is that that's all they wanted. And because their interest in Jesus was limited to what he could do for them, once they got what they wanted, that was that. This reminds me of Jesus' response to the crowd in John chapter 6, after he feeds the 5,000, and he turns around and he just lays it out for them. He says, you're following me around right now, not because you understand and embrace who I am, but because you got a free meal and you're hoping there's more. I think that that could be said of many people today. See, lots of people want to be close enough to Jesus to benefit from him, but not so close that they embrace his lordship over their lives and, and, and take on the, the demands of discipleship. Right, but the Samaritan in our story has eyes to see beyond that. And so when he receives mercy from Jesus, he responds with heartfelt thanks and gratitude, love and devotion. And thinking about it this week, I don't know how many people, especially in America, live their lives with a very loose sense of a, of a profession of faith in the Lord, but their, their lives are not characterized by heartfelt worship of Him or by obedience to Him. It doesn't really affect their lives. God's just kind of there to, to give them what they want when they come to a point of need in life. And like the lepers in the story, they may call out, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, if you will just let me pass this test, I will never disobey my parents ever again. Or, or, or Lord, have mercy on me. If you will make this medical report come back clear, I will never miss church again for the rest of my life. Lord, have mercy on me. Please don't let the consequences of this dumb decision affect my life, and I will read my Bible every single day or whatever it may be. But then give it a few days, maybe a couple of weeks, and life goes right back to normal again. Maybe they rationalize it, or chalk the blessing up to mere coincidence, or maybe they even feel like they deserve the blessing, and they take it for granted. But whatever the case, they move on with life, just like the other nine lepers in the story, instead of being moved by God's goodness to them, and responding with thanksgiving and worship. And of course, it works both ways. The, the reverse is also true. As much as our hearts can be revealed in how we respond to God's blessings in our lives, the reality is that our hearts are just as revealed by how we respond when God doesn't give us what we want. Right? Some of us, if we're honest, would probably have to admit that when God doesn't give us what we want, we get kind of huffy, and God probably doesn't hear back from us until we come to the next crisis point in life, whether that be months or even years down the road. I'm not a, a mind reader or anything, but it may be that you are here this morning for no other reason than the fact that, that you got an idea that maybe if you went to church or, or did something good, then, then God might throw you a bone and give you whatever it is you're really after in life, whether it's a job or, or healing or a relationship. But if that's the case, then I pray that through God's word this morning, 
you come to realize that who Jesus is and what he offers us is so much more than earthly, temporary, material things. Where there is a genuine love for the Lord, you will find gratitude and thanksgiving. And where there is a sense of entitlement and ungratefulness, you can be sure that a person is simply trying to use God to get what they really want, whether that's money or good health or success or whatever. And so what should we do if we realize this morning that we've been stuck in a, in a season of ingratitude? Well, I think we need to change our perspective. Right? If we tend to focus our thoughts on the things that we don't have or the ways that God has chosen not to bless us, then we need to turn our attention instead to all the ways that the Lord has been good to us. You know, there is a lot of wisdom in the old song. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. The reality is that all of us are far more materially blessed than we realize. But even beyond that, we know that in Jesus... We have been given an eternal inheritance that cannot be taken away from us. And we have God's promise that in between now and the day where we receive that inheritance, all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, are being worked together for our good. Friends, if we take time to meditate on the ways that God has blessed us, we can't help but be thankful and that's not because everything life is always good, because it's not, but it's because God is always good. And he is always worthy of praise, honor, glory, and thanksgiving. So this morning, may our hearts and our lives be marked by a genuine love for the Lord that is expressed in thanksgiving and gratitude for all the ways that he is at work in our lives. Let's pray together.